0: He'd bring like medicine, like aspirin and people's like diseases would get healed and stuff like that. It was crazy. But one of the things is they related with Always Jesus. They had like a story about that the Indian that left and he never came back or something. And, and that he runs the woods. I can't really remember everything. But when they heard the story about Jesus, that was him. And it was, man, it was just fire. That's what I was thinking. Every culture, every people, every ethnic group is gonna relate differently to what Jesus, you know what I'm saying, of how they see him, but it's still it beautiful. Cool. Like, everybody wants to fight, is he black, is he white, is he this, is he, you know, olive, is he dark, or you know what I mean? But it's like, I don't know. So that's just, that's the ignorance of humans. I mean, yeah. Paul come
1: and say, we don't know Jesus according to the flesh. Sure. Right. It means we don't know Jesus as a Jewish guy anymore. We don't, we don't know him according to ethnicity. Yeah. We, he's a new kind of a man Amen. where he's not known by Jew or Gentile. He's just a human, right? And, and that's how you're supposed to look at all humans.
0: Yeah, and if we know a female, male, or female.
1: You're not supposed to judge humans by the color of their, their skin. That's not the way you define them. Sure. That's why you see the world's wisdom. The world says we're going to have equality by separating everybody up. By their skin color and by their sex and by their race and all that kind of stuff. And they say by us doing that, then we're going to be able to bring forth equity. Well, God's ways... Like the Bible says, the way unto life is not like man's ways. God's ways is, no, we come and remove the thing where you know each other after the flesh. Right. And you don't judge each other by the color of your skin or by your ethnicity or where your citizenship is. You don't know your, yourself by your nationality. You know yourself by what God has said about you in Jesus. Right? It's like the only definition of any human being is yeah. what God has said about every person in Jesus. Right? And if we're knowing humans outside of what was revealed by God in Jesus, then we know in humans according to our own ideas and not according to God's ideas. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like we weren't just sitting around fighting over who God was. Mankind sitting around fighting over who human is. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's right. like David, who is man? Mm-hmm. That's like the age old question. Humans are wrestling with two main questions. Who is God and who the hell am I? Forgive yeah. my language. Sure. Who is God and who am I? And every human is wrestling with those questions, right? On a subconscious level, on a conscious level, those are the things we're grappling with. And our hearts are all the time compiling evidence, right? As we walk through this world. And God knows that. And God come and answered both questions in the person of Jesus, right? He came and answered both questions. Who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? Right? You see Jesus asking Peter. Notice how Jesus calls himself a human. That's why he says the son of man. You see me and you see a human. Well, what do you say about what I am, Peter? Right? Peter never would have said about himself what he said about Jesus. (laughs) Right? But then he says it about Jesus. And right in that place, Jesus comes and gives him a revelation of who he was. And I say the same thing back to you. You are Simon, son of Barjona, also the son of a man. And you're a piece of the rock. That's why he calls him Petra. You have been cut from the same rock that you just said I come from. Right? And so humans are grappling with that. And, and there is no peace, there is no love, there is no unity outside of human beings seeing themselves in the face of Jesus and then also seeing everyone else in the face of Jesus. You ever notice how we have a lot of grace and patience? For our weaknesses yes. and our mistakes. Yes. What I mean by that, mm-hmm. I don't mean that we don't ever feel condemned when we get it wrong. But what I mean is we're quick to know that we mean well. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Right?
1: Right? <laughs> right? Like we, look, we might look at what right. comes out of us that's right. and we might think that's not the right way. No, we no. might feel like, why can't I get it right? But we, and we, we judge our hearts as being, oh, we mean well. That's right. Good intentions in there. That's right. But the people that aren't us, yeah. no, no, no. You ever notice how we don't <laughs> tend to give them that same kind of a thing? Yeah. If we see something coming out of them that we say is the wrong way, we immediately impute it to their heart. Yes. Mm. And we say, no, 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 they're evil. Right. right? Look how evil they are. They're doing the wrong kind of a thing. we got to kill them we
0: got to get rid of them. we
1: got to get them out of here so we can have the good kind of a life. Mm -hmm. I promise you, you, if your idea of how you're going to have the good kind of life is getting rid of people, listen, man, you're thinking like uh, an earthy human and not like a human that's been born from above. Right? Right? Right. And, And so Jesus comes and discerns all of our hearts. Right? And what he says is, on the cross, and I've said this a bunch of times, but that's how he tears down the enmity between people. He shows... Everyone, not just their life, but their neighbor's life, in his face. There, in it. who is my neighbor?
0: <laughs>
1: the guy would come and say, when Jesus says, "Love your neighbor." Well, who is my neighbor? The Samaritans, their sworn enemy, is your neighbor. And so Jesus doesn't just come reveal your life to you. He doesn't just discern your life. He discerns your neighbor's life, right? And what he tries to do, one of the things he does on the cross, is he tries to give you a picture of the suffering that every human has gone through. Because Jesus came into the earth as a human being. Who, who, whose sin did he take upon himself? Everyone's. The
0: world's.
1: Okay, well wasn't the cross the result yeah. of our sin? Yes. Well, right. Yeah. Well then, isn't that mean that that picture of the cross is the picture of what the world was doing to every human being? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay, so he comes and shows us the suffering that every human has been through. And he paints this one picture to define the suffering of every human. That's supposed to destroy comparison. where well, you're no longer comparing your suffering up against the suffering of another person. Right. If you're busy with that, you ain't thinking like God. Neither are you living with Jesus. And the world comes and does that. Don't you know? Mm. The world comes and judges people's suffering differently by a worldly worldly standard. And then it compares people yeah. by their suffering. Right. Well, God entered the earth and said, Let me tell you about every human suffering. This is it. Mm. Right? This is every human suffering. Right. Okay. So now you start feeling compassion for your neighbor. You'll even start feeling compassion for yourself. Because, you know, we despise ourselves for our weaknesses. We despise ourselves when we get it wrong. And what you ought to ask yourself is, uh, if you want to get a better picture of it, you should ask yourself, man, would you despise yourself for wanting to live and not die? Mm. Would you ever despise yourself if you were nailed to a cross and you wanted to come down off of it? No. Would you ever think there's something wrong with you because you didn't like being nailed to a tree <coughs> and you want it more than anything to come off of the tree and you want it more than anything to find comfort and you want it more than anything to find rest? Would you despise yourself for that? Well, God's trying to give us a picture of what's going on in our hearts when we're getting it wrong. And He's not just trying to give you a picture of what's going on in your heart when you're getting it wrong. He's trying to give you a picture of what's going on in your enemy's heart when they're getting it wrong. Right? Right. When they're getting it wrong, the people you think that are messing up your good time. And listen, no one's thought that more people are messing up their good time than me. (laughs) I have a long history of it. We have video footage of it when I'm like seven years old. And my littlest little sister is ruining my good time. And her birthday. And we got to do something about it. we got to do something about her ruining my good time. She's like two years old. Three years old. So listen, I'm the chief of that kind of a sinner. Right? But I see in Jesus... I don't judge what's going on in them by what I see outwardly, but I see Jesus nailed to the cross, and now I see that's what's going on in them when I don't like what's happening outwardly. Right? They're experiencing death on the inside. The world's nailed them to a tree. They're hearing that they lack something they need for life. They're hearing that they don't have something that they need for peace and love and joy. And now they're nailed to a tree. And they just want to come down off the tree. Does anybody fault anybody for wanting to come down off the tree? Heck no. You know why? Because we all know we would want to come down off the tree.
2: Sure
1: And so how are we going to find fault with another guy for wanting to come down off the tree? We don't. And so Jesus comes to make our language plain. And take all of because we got nanny variables, And Jesus is like, let's whittle it down to this. Yes. This is what's going on. Right. That's why he said he, he doesn't judge after the flesh, he judges a righteous judgment. He judges by what's going on in the heart. Do you know why God never despised us for our weakness? Do you know why God never despised us when we were getting it wrong? He sees
0: us fighting for life,
1: he sees that we're nailed to a tree. Uh. And he actually knows. The only only person that possesses the ability to resist sin when they're nailed to a tree is God. Mm. You don't possess the ability to resist sin when you're nailed to a tree. You don't. You can't. If you could, we wouldn't need God. And we wouldn't need God to come in the flesh and be nailed to a tree for us and resist the temptation to come down off the tree. Mm. God's the only one who can resist sin when death has come upon Him. You see, you're supposed to see that. That's one of the things about seeing the compassion in God's heart for you. You're supposed to get a revelation of how He sees it when you're messing up. Right? That He knows intimately. And not only does He know intimately, but He ain't surprised. He's not shocked that you're trying to come, off, come down off the tree. And neither does He despise you for coming, wanting to come down off the tree. It'd be like God despising you because you need a God. <laughs>
2: That's
1: right. I just want to say it as radically as I can. It'd be like God despising you because you need God. Right. And so God, and I remember when this changed. Every everything changed for me when I saw, when I really got a revelation that Jesus is God. We 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 struggled to see in five D, six D, ten D, even four D. And so sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the tangent of Jesus is a human, Jesus is a human, Jesus is a human, Jesus is a man, Jesus is a man. And that's true, but many times the revelation that Jesus is God gets swallowed up by Jesus is the man. And we also, Jesus is the man, can get swallowed up by Jesus is God. We need to fill out both pictures all of the time, preaching God in Jesus and preaching man in Jesus. But one of the things that started helping me see what God feels for me when I'm messing up and how God knows and how God has compassion which it's an interior thing in your heart when you begin to to know the God that is intimately acquainted with your weaknesses that he's intimately acquainted with what hurts you and what it does to you you get a revelation that he's not despising you and your weaknesses and something beautiful happens in your heart when that goes down you find yourself coming to him all of the time in the midst of your weaknesses Right? Right. And so when I saw that God himself, when he put on, it says Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. That's God. Mm -hmm. Emmanuel. A child shall be born unto you, and you shall call him Emmanuel. For he is everlasting father, Mm -hmm. prince of peace, wonderful counselor, mighty God. Mighty God. Jesus is mighty God. When Jesus put on our death, when Jesus entered into the world and faced what we faced, mighty God. When mighty God came into the earth And tasted the death that was coming against us It was nailing us to a tree He sweat blood Mm. You have not yet resisted sin Unto the shedding of blood Paul would come and say Because you can't Mm. You can't Only God can Only God can And only the fullness of God Manifesting themselves in a human Can do that and so he's not despising you he gets it yeah he gets it he uh, he is intimately acquainted
2: well he should get it he made us yeah yeah
1: <laughs> but but God, even, God, God, he felt it
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. he <completely laughs> actually felt what it was like we
1: have to know that he felt it yeah that he knows yes it. because the thing about what sin will do to you is it will cause you to want to despise yourself yes when you oh, see sin. your anybody ever uh, gloried in their weaknesses? <laughs> the gospel, like Paul said, i rather glory now in my weaknesses. Right? That the strength of God would be made <laughs> manifest in me. Yeah. Well, sin, the wisdom, I don't mean the bad behavior, that will cause, sin will cause you to despise yourself for your weaknesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It will. Yeah. And it will make you think God's despising you mm-hmm. for your weaknesses. And then we never look at it the right way. Do you think God despises you because you want to come down off the cross? No. See, when we say it like that, none of us think God would despise us. Well, that's what's going on when we're getting it wrong and when other people are getting it wrong. They want to come down off the cross. And why do they want to come down off the cross? They want comfort. You think God's despising us because we want to be comforted? No. Do you think God... Do you see the dynamic? Yeah. And see, so when you get that revelation, it's like you said, Jay, what you said is an obvious truth. But we struggle to get there if we don't see this first part. Exactly. Right? right. Of course he knows. He made us. <laughs> right. He made our hearts. He fashioned our hearts. Right. He designed them. He knows exactly how they function. Right? And so when you start to see God this way, it a compassion becomes born in you. Yes. Because you, you're judging a righteous judgment. Right. About people. Right. Instead of an unrighteous judgment. The, an unrighteous judgment is when you judge people according to what you see manifesting outwardly. Yes. Huh? That's an unrighteous judgment. A righteous judgment is when you judge a person based on what's going on in the heart. Yes. Right? right. And that com- that causes you to come out with the correct conclusion. And it'll actually cause you to be able to see into people's hearts. Yes. All of a sudden you'll have like three is it three no, not three D. X ray. You have x-ray, where you see into their heart, and you understand the dynamics in their heart. Why do you think Jesus was so good at ministering to people? Mm. Because he he looked past (laughs) their behavior and their actions, and he could see right into their heart. And he he was intimately acquainted with their deepest fears, insecurities, weaknesses, all of that. And he didn't just see it as, why aren't they strong? He saw those weaknesses and fears as insecurities, as the result of them being nailed to the tree by the world. Right? And he didn't despise them for that. He's like, of course they want to be clothed. Of course they want to be comforted. Of course they want that. And so what he got busy with was, let me now reveal to them where those things are found and let me reveal to them the God who comforts them knows the weakness and is intimately acquainted with the pain and suffering that death brings. That's how he's our high priest. That's how the high priest ministers the things of God to you and in them ministering the things of God to you it would make a way for you to come into the holiest place. Mm -hmm. The holiest place is just a picture of being Face-to-face, face-to-face with God. Yeah. Like smack dab in the throne room. Right. right? Where you're looking God in the face and you're feeling loved when you're looking at Him in the face. You're not feeling scrutinized. You're not feeling like you're coming behind and something you need to be in there. Mm-hmm. Your, your mind isn't filled with your weaknesses. Your mind is filled with the God who comforts you in the midst of your weakness. Your mind isn't filled with you despising yourself anymore because you see that God whose hand is filled with the mercy you need has never despised you for your weaknesses. And then you come running into his arms. It's like when I was... Ha!
2: Ah, it's so good to see you. You oh, me. Uh,
1: no, it's just I've been thinking about those guys, and t- this morning I was like, I gotta text. I'm gonna text them and make sure they're all right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, But I saw you guys doing the show all the time, so I figured Tuesday
0: and Wednesday
1: every night. Yeah, um, I figure you guys are having fun with that, and you're quite busy with it. But you, your your mind becomes filled with the God who's intimately acquainted with what you're feeling because he felt it too yes and you your mind is filled with god is the only one that can resist sin god is the only one who can resist sin mm-hmm. and if he's the only one that can resist sin what do you think you need in your moments of weakness god. God. the god who can resist sin <laughs> and so you come and you run to him Right? Mm -hmm. Because you see, this guy knows he's the only one that can resist sin. He's not busy despising me if I can't resist sin. He's come, entered into my flesh that's dying, and he's resisted sin for me, and he's the only one that could. And so now I'm going to come to the God who's the only one who can resist sin because I need strength in this moment of weakness. I need comfort in this moment of pain. I need understanding and compassion in this moment of confusion and disarray. Right? Right? And until you see that about God, you ain't coming up into the holiest place. Mm. You hiding, ashamed of your stuff. Yes. Right? Hiding, ashamed of your weaknesses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's and then a, Paul like Paul, would come and say, I glory, in, I rather glory in my weakness yeah. now. That the strength of God would have its perfect work inside of me. Mm.
2: <clears throat> it's amazing to me that the church has created such an aversion to our hearts and our belief systems that it's such a focus on external fruit and what you see people do and be and are and like we talked about you know color of skin male female all of those things and we we rarely talk about and one of the things that is the foundation at least for me in being part of this community is that we talk about the heart and we understand that there's two belief systems, and I just I was thinking about the sermon that you preached, of "What Would Jesus Do," which was, and and several other about, you know, there's only two belief systems. There's God's belief system and there's Satan's belief system, but we've I don't know if it's the church has grabbed hold of the heart is deceitful beyond all measure and and hold on to that and are afraid of dealing with heart matters. But when you come to understand that it's an issue of heart and not an issue of fruit, it becomes Uh, I don't know. God becomes much more real at that point. Your your message changes. Hmm?
1: Your message changes. Yes. Yes. Because you start preaching to the heart. Yes. And you start thinking, what did Jesus believe? Right. Not what did Jesus do? (laughs) If you want to think what Jesus did, that's okay if you're defining Jesus as God. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about what Jesus did as mighty God? Yeah. Okay, great. Let's talk about what Jesus did as mighty God. He went to Calvary (laughs) and he took the death that was nailing us to the cross and he nailed the death to the cross. He bullied the death that was bullying us. We were being beaten and bruised, as Luke would say. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has sent me to deliver them that are being bruised. We were being bruised by death. And Jesus as mighty God, you want to know what he did? He came and delivered an eternal bruise to the death that was bruising us. And then he took that death. He wasn't just happy leaving it nailed to the tree. He went and took that death and buried it in a grave. And then he left that death in a grave and he came out of the grave Mm. without death. Mm. There's your mighty God if you want to talk about Jesus as God and what did Jesus do. But if you want to talk about Jesus the man, you talk about what did Jesus believe. Yes, exactly. What did Jesus believe? And then your message changes because you start preaching the faith. Instead of the behavior. Right. Man. Exactly. Right? You yes. preach the faith instead of the behavior. Yeah. Right? Because you see that every good thing that came out of Jesus, the man, was the result of the faith that was in his heart from the Father. From the Father. Right. Right? That yeah. it was the Father that was in Jesus. And the Father was in Jesus through Jesus knowing the Father. Faith. Mm-hmm. Was it Hebrews 4, chapter 12? The, the word of God is What? Sharper, Sharper than a two-edged, two-edged sword. sword,
2: dividing asunder.
1: More powerful than uh, Speeding had- locomotive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that
1: sounds like Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Capable of dividing asunder soul from spirit. Can somebody pull it up? My phone's on recording. I want to read it. Yeah. Does anybody have? I the- got. I'm getting it. Hebrews four. Yeah, I think it's it's either verse twelve or verse sixteen.
2: Yeah, twelve. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing apart of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the
1: thoughts and intents of the heart. Exactly. Now, you're supposed to, I I keep trying to explain to people how you study the scriptures. Because I tell you what, the thing that plagues Christianity is all the Christians that think they know how to study the scriptures. And they got no clue. Okay? So that verse, you're supposed to take that verse and let that verse give shape to Jeremiah 17. Yes. When it talks about the heart of a man being abundantly deceitful. Mm -hmm. What it's talking about is man, the way that man thinks is unto life is not unto life, it's unto death. Right. And so they needed someone to come and discern what was in their heart and discern yes. which is the way unto life and which is the way unto death. Yes. And that's what Hebrews 4 is talking about. That the word of God, the word of life, Jesus came into the earth as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And how did he discern the thoughts and intents of our hearts? He came and showed us the way that we thought was unto life Results in being nailed to a tree. Mm -hmm. And he come and showed us that he discerned the work of God in our midst. And we see that the work of God is actually what is unto life. Yes. Right? Right. We see the work of God to conquer death in the flesh and to reconcile the world back to himself is that which gives life. Our hearts are discerned. (laughs) And then we find ourselves, it's no magical... is that a magical uh, reason that that verse is the verse that it talks about there remains a rest, therefore, for the people of God? What he's talking about is God will come and discern the way that's unto life and the way that's unto death. Right. And the way he'll do it is he'll come and put his work to give you life free from your contribution in your midst mm. and when you see his work in your midst what happens is is your mind becomes filled with his work to remove the death that's raining over you and to clothe upon you with the life of his lamb and it will cause you to look away from your own works yes and then what happens is guess what there's a rest inside of the work god has performed amen and when your heart is fixed on the work of god instead of your own works what happens is is you're filled with rest yes Right? Yes. That's what he's talking about. Mm. And that's the discerning of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what Jeremiah 17 is talking about. If you read Jeremiah 17, it says, blessed, it says, cursed is the man that does what? Makes flesh their arm. You know what it means to make flesh your arm? What is an arm? An arm is a thing that does a work. And the work that it does is with the intent to serve itself with life. (laughs) Jeremiah comes and says, the man who thinks they can serve themselves with life by their own arm and their own working, they're going to find they're living the cursed life. They're going to be sweating from their brow all the time, laboring and toiling, trying to serve themselves with peace and love and joy. All the while, they'll never find the peace and the love and the joy they want. All they're going to find is the thorns and thistles that they don't like. Because can a man pick grapes from thorns and thistles? No. No! No! And so making flesh your arm is trying to pick grapes from thorns and thistles. Yeah. And Jeremiah comes. Jeremiah is actually God discerning the thoughts and intents of the people's hearts. And the reason it says your heart is abundantly deceitful and, and wicked is because it's filled with labors and annoyances. That's what wicked means. Right. right. And you're deceived in thinking that's the way. Right. And so now I'm going to come and discern your heart for you. Here's the discerning of your heart. Cursed is the man that makes flesh their arm. Right. The wisdom you've adopted as the way into life is cursing you. Right? Blessed is the man whose trust is what? In In the the Lord. Lord. What does it mean whose trust is in the Lord? Jesus is the right arm of God. Yes, He is the manifestation of God doing a work to serve you with life and to decorate you with the fruit of the Spirit. And so blessed means the man whose trust is in the right arm of the Lord and the work that the Lord will do, that man will actually find grapes being fed to them.
2: <laughs>
1: you see those Maharaja movies? That's yes, yeah. right. Where cats be laying like in the tent, people fanning them, people feeding them with grapes and stuff. <laughs> That's what blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And listen, I just want to offend the carnal mind. And go. I want to offend the wisdom of the world. It'll be God there. Fanning you.
2: Yes.
1: And God there feeding you with grants. Yes. Well, the, the human mind thinks that that's blasphemous. Right. But here's what God comes and thinks it's more blessed to give than to receive. The scripture says that. Paul quotes Jesus in Acts chapter 20, and Jesus says, We know it's more blessed to give than to receive. So, we're trying to give to God, and God's busy thinking it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you want to pour yourself out for me, listen, I don't need anything. And rather, I feel the best when I can pour myself out for you. Right? You want to wash my feet? Forget that, man. I'm the kind of God. I can't be called God if you wash my feet. I can only be God if I wash your feet. You want to come and serve me with your life? Listen, man, I can't be called God if you're going to serve me with your life. I can only be God if I serve you with my life. It's more blessed to give. And so God's busy wanting to find someone. Anyone. He's searching far and wide for someone that will let him pour himself out for them. Mm. That's what he's looking for. Who hath believed our report, Isaiah says. Who hath believed Right? Yeah. And so that's what God's busy doing. So good. Here's where we get confused, right? Because the fruit of a person, the fruit that comes out of a person who lets God pour himself out for them, guess what that fruit looks like? Peace, mm-hmm. and love, and joy, <laughs> kindness, meekness. You find God born in you, yeah, right? right. And so that person can look like they're a servant, mm-hmm. right? Oh,
0: that's good. <laughs> in alignment with what you just said, so the, uh, the parable of the sheeps and the goats, well, Christ didn't say, this is the parable of the mules who pulled their load and the mules who did not, you know, it's a matter of faith, not works. These are two separate entities. So with the sheep, he said, "Well, you did this, you did that," and they said, "No, what are you talking about? We didn't do anything." Oh. And the other people, the goats, oh, "What are you talking about? Uh, no, we did everything." <laughs> it, 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 it's the work of the Spirit. It's not the works. Yeah, it's the life of the spirit. Yeah, Uh, very good.
1: No, that's a very good uh, analogy and using that parable in exactly the right way because a sheep doesn't do anything for themselves they know the shepherd and like you said that's why when he comes and says what they did they're like what are you talking about exactly they're
0: both all baffled both of them are baffled
1: that's right and the goats are thinking of all that they did didn't we do this didn't we do that i never knew you you never let me shepherd your life yeah (laughs) right wow yeah that's a great uh example of, of that yeah, he maketh me to lie down in the tender green grass. He leadeth me beside the still waters of his grace. He prepares a table for me. His rod and his staff comforts me. Do you notice how everything in that verse is talking about what God did for them? you notice how none of it is talking about what they did for God? Uh-huh. It's shepherding. It sounds like shepherding, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. All right? And so, man, w- what we've done is we've mixed the carnal mind with our Knowledge of God, so we know there's God we see God did something in Jesus. We have a historical knowledge of that I mean we have Christmas and Easter don't you know (laughs) and I said it that way I said it that way for a reason because even the pagans celebrate Christmas and Easter Okay, even the pagans and so what we've done is we've taken a historical knowledge of Jesus and we've combined it with the carnal mind And then we've built the church has been built upon wood, hay, and stubble because we've built our knowledge of God on the carnal mind, right? And the carnal mind doesn't know God. In fact, the scripture would come and say, Paul would come and say, that the world, by its own wisdom, knows not God. Yes, And it's not just talking about doesn't know God exists. Even the devils know God exists, James would come and say. When it says, when Paul says the world by its own wisdom doesn't know God, what it's saying is the world by its own wisdom has not attained to the love of God. It has not found itself filled with the love of God because it thinks the love of God is found in being strong according to the flesh and being wise according to the flesh in being noble according to the flesh. So they've been trying to be intimate with the life of God according to the strength that's in the world. Yeah. And that's the same thing the church tries to do. The church tries to say, I'll attain to the blessing of God by my ability to do good. By my ability to uh, evangelize. By my ability to serve. By my ability to give. By my ability to pray. By my ability to read the scriptures. None of those things are evil in and of themselves. But if you're doing them to attain to the blessing in the life of God, then that's the most evil thing you could do. Mm. And mammon is your God. You are worshiping mammon. You ain't worshipping the Abba of Jesus. You're not. That's what it will result in. Yeah. Right? And so, the, the, it's sad to see that the church adopted the same kind of a thought. Right? Paul come and said, though, that the wisdom of God confounds the wisdom of the world. And he says, he says do you, go read 1 Corinthians 1, guys. It's a powerful, powerful... Or, first, yeah, 1 Corinthians 1. It's a <laughs> powerful, powerful chapter. He says, do you see your calling made clear, brethren... That it isn't those who are strong after the flesh, or those who are wise after the flesh, or those who are noble according to the flesh, who have attained to the love and the life of God. It isn't those. That's what the cross declares to us. How do we know? Because Jesus, what did he look like in his flesh? What did he look like according to the world? Was there any good thing to be seen in Jesus? He was the weakest guy according to the flesh. He was the dumbest guy, according to the flesh. And he was the least noble guy, according to the flesh. And what did he do? Oh, I don't know. He only attained to the fullness of God inside of his physical body. You see your calling, having been made straight, brethren? That the strength that's in the world cannot cause you to know the love of God. That doesn't mean it's evil. If (laughs) you're strong... It doesn't mean it's evil if you're in the Olympics. It doesn't mean it's evil if you also have, have smarts. It, it doesn't mean it's evil. But if you think those things are the power unto a good life, the blessed life, then you're living as if you're earthy still. You're thinking like the Adam man still instead of the heavenly man. Right? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. That's the revelation Paul
0: got.
1: I, Americans won't like this, and I like America. And I I have very strong opinions about America, but I also separate my strong opinions about the country America from the kingdom of God. I don't confuse the two. You know what one of the first things Paul did for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus? He counted his nationality as a Hebrew as dumb. Right. Right, right, right. You think I'm joking? Go read Philippians 3. Right?
2: Yeah, and, and, uh, that doesn't
1: mean he hated Hebrews. No. And it doesn't mean he hated Israel. It right? doesn't mean he despised them. If you go and read in Romans chapter 9, he speaks about his love for his brethren after the flesh and for Israel. But he no longer lived as if being Hebrew or an Israel, Israelite after the flesh or having the nationality of an Israelite guy was the power unto a blessed life. Right. He no longer lived like that. Right? right? And so it's not about you hate your country or you hate your nationality, but you don't confuse it with the power unto the life of God. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You have a separation. And you could say, well, we're in this world right now. These are the systems we're left with. And if I look at the systems we're left with, then I could see that this is the best kind of a system for the country we re- re- live in. And I want it to be that way. Right? right? You can't expect that the government of America could function like the kingdom of God. No. 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 You can't. No. no. If it could, then we wouldn't need Jesus.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> he wouldn't, the government wouldn't have to be upon his shoulders. Right? right? And I think as, as Christians, we could struggle to separate the two and still find ourselves having strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. About how we... Yes, 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 but we are in this world right now and we are surrounded by the systems of this world. And if that is the case, and we have to navigate the systems of this world, this is rather, if I have a choice, what I want my system to look like. Right? Yeah, right. I think this is the best kind of a system that you could have from the worldly perspective. Right. But don't get it twisted and think that that could serve you with the good life of God. Don't get it twisted and let that become what your mind is filled with when you're thinking about the life that you need because that will get in the way of you fellowshipping with the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus Paul says a very powerful thing he says I saw the strength in my flesh which was that I was a Hebrew I'm an American that that would be part of the strength of my flesh I'm an American right? born in Los Angeles County in the great state of California right Blue eyes and blonde hair, all the way. There you go. Yeah. American made. Right? <laughs> that's the strength in your flesh. Right. That's what Paul comes and says. I see the strength of my flesh. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews, circumcised the eighth day, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of the, of according to the righteousness contained in performing the works of the law. I was blameless. And so he's describing the strength of his flesh, right. the strength of the life he had in the world. And he said, "I took that and I put that, I saw that all that that I had going for me, that's quite a lot, don't you know?" That's some pretty good stuff right there, you know. Hmm. He says, "But then I put that next to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus." And I saw that there's a reason why he says the knowledge of Christ Jesus is excellent <laughs> because that knowledge or the faith Of Christ Jesus having intimacy with the faith that was in Jesus' heart on the cross where Jesus also looked at himself and said I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I've been circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Judah, the stock of Israel. Blameless not only according to the works of the law but (coughs) blameless according to never sinning and he counted it all as done for the excellency of having intimacy with the life that was in the Father. He laid down all that strength that he saw in himself. I've even loved perfectly. I could have even made myself king of the whole world. I could have performed a miracle and I could have been the king of Jerusalem, the king of Rome. I could have come in and taken over the world. That's the kind of strength I had in myself. And I counted all that as worthless. I saw what I could gain from the strength in my flesh, oh. and I counted it as being worthless compared to the excellency of having intimacy with the life that's in the Father. And so I laid it down. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Right. I saw that even should I gain all the kingdoms of the world. Right. Right. That couldn't glorify my body with immortality. Right. Right? Yeah. You see that dynamic? This is what. This is I'm telling you, this is what the gospel comes to bring forth in us. Right. Right? Yeah. And we don't want to try to, to hear what I'm saying with the carnal mind. Because the carnal mind will say, okay, well, I must hate America now. I'm not saying you must hate America. I'm not saying that you should despise your nationality or that you shouldn't have any opinions. But what I'm saying is don't confuse it with that's where the power for, for you to have life or for your life to be taken from you. Right. Because if you are, then what you're doing is you're thinking that it's the strong according to the flesh. It's the wise according to the flesh. It's the noble according to the flesh that will have intimacy with the life of God. Right. And that's not who has intimacy with the life of God. No. And that's what Jesus knew. Right. Do you think Jesus couldn't have changed the whole political system right. in Israel? Yeah, he just, Jesus, you know? <laughs> Jesus could have come and done whatever he wanted in the world. Yeah. right. Well, have you ever asked yourself, why didn't he do that? Why didn't he do that? Do you know why he didn't do it? Because he saw that can't serve people with life. Mm. (laughs) The world will get you worked up thinking that its systems can serve you with life, if you'll fix them. If that was the power you have in life, Jesus would have come and fixed it. Right,
2: yeah, I was just gonna say that. I was gonna say, don't let us be deceived by defining terms and doctrines of the world in in a terminology that allows us to think that they bring us closer to the kingdom of God. That's right. Because we, I think we do that all the time. I mean, it's it's the carnal mind's function to to to, to do that to take the world systems and we've talked often about the fact of of, of death management. Right. Death, one of the, one of the key things of death management is defining terms and doctrines so that they fit with the kingdom of God. And it's all deception. Yeah. It's right. all deception.
1: Yeah. That's it. That's it right yeah so man have strong opinions about what you think is best for the worldly system that you you find yourself living in but don't confuse that with the power unto you experiencing the life of god amen right and then you'll yeah, navigate man. it with a sound mind yeah right you'll navigate it with a sound mind yes does that make
0: sense yeah mm, that's a little
1: good i'm telling you no one's more opinionated than me about the system <laughs> we live in i promise you man i got very strong opinions and when i see the insanity going on I got strong opinions about the insanity. But straight away, my heart categorizes it out of the area of life and death. Yes. Right? It moves it over here, outside of the, life, the sense of life and death. It becomes a lot different when you look on what's going on in a country when you don't consider yourself to be a citizen of that country. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm a citizen of a heavenly country. <coughs> right? Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm a citizen of a heavenly country... Well then that's where my life is being held and that's where that's where what my life is under the reign of that system. And so then that changes it when I look on other systems, right? Right? I could look on other systems and think, Wow, that's whacked out. That's jacked up. There's some screws loose over there, boy. <laughs> right? But thank the Lord that my life is under that system. <laughs> you see? Yeah. You yeah, see? Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if we, we, we get to cast a vote in this country, well, glory to God. But rather, let us cast a vote filled with peace instead of thinking that our vote can give us the peace. Right. Let right. us cast a vote having already been filled with peace, right? right? Rather than thinking that our vote is what will be the power unto the peace. Hmm. Do you see what I'm saying?
0: Hmm. Glenn. Uh, I'm sure this term has been introduced before. that Jay just mentioned source death management. So, uh, you know, so manage decline is the idea that, you know, after World War II, when Japan and Germany, instead of exporting cars, you know, they were eating rats. So, obviously, you know, we were a a global behemoth in terms of manufacturing. And Fort Payne in Alabama, the sign says, the sock capital of the world. Well, back then, the Chinese were buying their socks from us. So, managed decline is the idea that that hump has been in the past as far as that economic behemoth that was just us, as far as, um, and they're managing the decline. And what Jay said, as far as death management, a lot of times, like mere mortals like myself, are foolish, and we try to use Christ as a tool in a scheme of death management, as opposed to just, just facing the living Christ, living in the living Christ, Instead, using him as a tool in this process of death management.
1: Yeah, we try to manage a perishable life with Christ instead of letting Christ's life be our life. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what I've, I've... i belabor my points as you guys all know that's why when i love what emmanuel said in the bible study page who's your favorite bible character yeah right it was real easy for me john the baptist because he's one crying in the wilderness and the crying in the wilderness does not mean a guy shedding tears what it means is a guy laboring and and screaming and shouting this thing right and so many times i feel like john the baptist one crying in the wilderness because i'm belaboring these points But the Christianity I grew up in, and these people aren't evil. We were taught this. The Christianity I grew up in is just like what Glenn said. We're going to use Christ to manage the life we have from the world. Instead of being intimate with Christ and finding ourselves laying down the life we have from the world. Right? That's a completely different thing. Right? So what we did with Christianity is we're in the world. We're looking around in the world. And can we all just agree? There's some nice things in the world. Yeah. Can we all just agree? Listen, man, sometimes I see a car and I'm like, wow. I mean, my wife is a nice thing. She's in the world, right? There's some things in the world that are just nice. And honestly, all the things here are here for us to enjoy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? But what happened is is we saw all the good things in the world, and now we've made the gospel the power to get all the good things from the world that we want. We made the gospel the power to gather the life in the world to ourselves. And then we've judged ourselves and God by whether we think we've gathered the good things in the world to ourselves. So many people have labored with God and suffered with God and suffered under the hands of sin because they were brought up in that kind of a Christianity where they were taught that we're going to now work the gospel to gain all the good things we see in the world. And what that means is, if we're working the gospel right, we'll see all the good things from the world that we need in our lives. But guess what? If we're not seeing the good things in our lives from the world, that means we're not working the gospel right. And it means God's far from us. And that has left many people shipwrecked in their faith. And then condemning themselves, thinking they're the problem. Instead of seeing they weren't taught God, they weren't taught the gospel of Jesus Christ, they were taught the doctrines and commandments of man. Yeah. 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 Right?
2: Right.
1: And you're in the place where you're judging your life by the good you've been able to gather to yourself. They had no clue of the excellency of the knowledge Knowledge of of Christ Christ Jesus Jesus. who knew that um, it's got nothing to do with the good I can gather to myself in the world. It's got nothing to do with that. Jesus knew that. Go read Ecclesiastes. Wrong tree. Go read Ecclesiastes. Wrong tree. Solomon was the... The wisest person according to the world. The strongest person according to the world. The most noble person according to the world. And he maximized all of those things in his life. And he said, let's see what they can give me. And he says, dust to dust. (laughs) It's all is vanity. I've come to this place. One thing matters. No God. You see what he's saying? All that stuff I maximized. My wisdom. my, My nobility. And, and my strength. All those things that I maximized. Listen, man, I saw everything those things gathered for me. And, you know what? It gathered me all the riches in the world. And he says, but all those things come from dust, and they're all going to return to dust. Vanity of vanities is what he did. That's giving us a picture into the Lord Jesus. Yeah, It's revealing to us what Jesus did. Who do you think is more noble than Jesus? I mean, go look at the, the three wise people who were actually taught by Daniel. You know the Magi? you wondering how they knew about all that stuff? Go back and read in the book of Daniel where Daniel took over the wise people from Babylon. Oh, wow. And he taught them. You know what he taught them about? The Christ. Mm-hmm. That would come. How do you think yeah. they knew and why do you think they came? Wow. Right? How do you think they... So Jesus, the most noble. They're actually the strongest. I mean, here's a guy fashioning eyes in a person who can't see. Here's a guy raising the dead. Here's a guy multiplying fish and loaves. Multiplying wine. I mean, forget about it. if we got food, do we have wine? Right. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> look at the strength in this guy. And look at the wisdom in this guy. I mean the Pharisees, they kept trying to trip him up and he just twisted him up easily. Yeah. And so Jesus saw all those things and he goes up onto the hill and he sees the kingdoms of the world and Satan says worship me and you can have the kingdoms. What does it, mean? it doesn't mean fall down on your face in front of Satan. What it means is it's look at your strength, look at your nobility, look at your wisdom and use those things and you can gain the kingdoms of this world. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, who actually comes from the lineage of Solomon, said all the kingdoms of this world come from dust and they're all going to return to dust vanity Satan it's empty yeah. can't actually feed me right with life right. right and so you see in Solomon you see a picture of the inner workings of the heart of the man Christ Jesus and you're supposed to see all that when you read the Old Testament in all of them Joseph Moses Noah David Abraham all those guys Enoch you're, you're, su- you're supposed to look at those guys and see... It's giving you like a microscope into the heart of Jesus. Yes. And it's giving you intimacy with the faith in the Son of God's heart. Mm-hmm. Right? And you start reading the, skip- the Scriptures from that foundation. Seeing Jesus. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, go look at Joseph. You don't think Joseph's whole life is a picture of Jesus? What does it say about Jesus? He came to save His own as His own received Him not. What did Joseph's own do to Him? They threw Him in a pit and sold Him into slavery. Right. And then Joseph gets sent down into the miry clay. The depths of that prison, underground, in the dirt. And then what happens? He becomes the ruler over all of Egypt. What does Jesus do? Descend down into the miry clay, the pit. And what does He become? King of kings and Lord of lords. The scriptures are so much more rich when you read them that way. Yeah.
0: yeah,
1: right. And you're not left to figure it out for yourself. You can just ask God. Lord, I want to see Jesus. I want to see into the heart of Jesus in this. I want to see the thinking of Jesus. I want to partake with Jesus in His faith. When I read the scriptures, that's my prayer every time I read the scriptures. That I might know Him and have fellowship with the faith in His heart. That's what I'm doing when I'm reading the scriptures. And that's my prayer every time I read the scriptures. And if you're not reading the scriptures like that, what you're doing is you're living like the Pharisees. Where you're searching the scriptures day and night. For in them, you think is the principle you can work to gain the blessing of life. Right. Right? So for instance, you'll read the scriptures and listen, it's not evil to evangelize. It's not evil to tell people about the Lord Jesus. But if you read the scriptures and think that you're going to attain to the blessing of life by evangelizing, you think you're going to be justified in the sight of God by your much evangelizing? Listen, man, you're living like the Pharisees. And you're searching for a principle that you can work, that you can now take what you've worked, and you can now bring it to God and say, Look, Lord, look what I've done. Isn't it wonderful? I did what you said to do. I'm so thankful that I'm not like the people that don't do what you say, and I'm like the people that do do what you say. (laughs) <laughs> that's what you'll end up doing and that is the way of Cain
2: yeah, yeah. it's a bunch of doo-doo
1: it's a bunch of dumb <laughs> and Abel brought blood and do you know what that blood symbolized the, the shedding of the blood, running out of the body of death. Abel brought the blood of the lamb. And you know what Abel was saying? Not by strength of my hand, O Lord, but by you and the strength in your hand. And Cain came with the fruit that he tilled from the ground. Right. And what is Cain saying? Lord, I want to be exalted by the good fruit that I can produce and by what I can do for you. Right? right. Yeah. And if you go look in Luke, I think, chapter is Luke chapter 18, I think, where the Pharisee is there. And the sinner... Is there. And the Pharisee is bringing to the Lord all the good things they did. I'm so thankful Lord I'm not like this sinner here. Because I've done this. I've done that. I've, 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 I've. And then you know what the sinner says? Lord, I got nothing to offer you. I got nothing man. And what does Jesus say? Which one do you think went away justified? It wasn't the one who was talking about all the things they did. You no,
2: know, he said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be abased, and the one who humbles himself shall be exalted.
1: That's right. That's why your doctrine supposed to be filled with meekness. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Meekness, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh.
0: And yet the church
2: taught us that we were the ones that were supposed to resist sin.
0: It was all on us. Yeah. And the mature, good Christians were the ones that had the power to do that in their own strength, yeah. by willpower. Right.
1: Yeah, that's uh, That's sin. Yes. Right. To teach that is sin. I mean, the author of Hebrews says, consider Jesus, looking unto Jesus. He goes on to say, for you have not resisted sin unto, unto blood. Death. Right. You have not. And you cannot. Mm-hmm. If you could, Jesus wouldn't have come, and the cross wouldn't have been necessary. Right. Mm. Right. Wow. It's I think it's so Hebrews good. 11 or 12 where it says that. Yeah. And the reason he says that, because he's talking about how are these Hebrews going to endure yeah. in the world where they're encountering death. That's when he goes into the hall of faith. Mm-hmm. Consider these guys. Whom the world was not even worthy that they would be in it. Some of them met not nice ends. Right. 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 <laughs> then he talks about them. And then he goes into looking unto Jesus, mm. the beginning and the end of the faith they were busy with. Yeah. Right. Right. Consider him when you need endurance, consider the one who endured, for you have not resisted sin unto blood. Don't consider your own resisting. Don't consider your own enduring. If, you're sin- if your mind is filled with your own resisting and your own enduring, listen man, you've lost the plot and I promise you, your life is already filled with the works of the flesh. Yeah. Consider yeah. the one who resisted. Right? Yeah. And that's how you'll find yourself strengthened on the inside. And you'll find him enduring in you. Right. Where afterwards you think, wow. How'd that happen?
0: Yeah. <laughs> what did we do? The sheep said.
1: <laughs> what did we do? The sheep said. Yeah. Wasn't that beautiful? Yes. Yeah. That was very, very, very good.
2: You've been prof- very profound this morning, Glenn. I, lo- I love the the, the 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 example of the of using Jesus as a tool. That's that's really
0: powerful. Yeah. And it's. So easy to fall into. Oh yeah. It's like when you're suffering like a dog, you just grab the closest <laughs> stick. You, you know? <laughs> you're,
1: you're, you're definitely grappling. And that's why and yes. God knows that. And he doesn't despise yes. us. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. Right? Yeah. It's like we despise him. This is, this is how I would do it. Because I get a revelation of the truth. My mind would agree it was the truth. If it didn't work itself out perfectly in every situation, I would despise myself.
0: Yeah.
1: As if, what's wrong with me? Yeah. That now I had this ex- reaction mm-hmm. when I encountered calamity right. and shortcomings in this world. God's not filled with that kind of thinking. Right. God's like Greg. Really what you're despising is that you need me. Yeah. That's what you're despising. It's
2: living from the tree of knowledge yeah. of good and evil. You're
1: right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't even judge your life by your ability to live out the truth that we know. Yeah. Because that's the, how the deception will come in for us. We've been hammering the truth. We know the truth. We know life ain't found in the world, don't we? Yeah. We know life is only found in God. Well, don't despise yourself if you find yourself in the place where you feel sorrowful over the life you've encountered in the world. Don't think, what's wrong with you that you feel sorrowful? It's real easy to see why you feel sorrowful. You just want life. Yeah. And it's okay sometimes if you have a good cry over the crap you see that happens. Right. Don't Let the serpent come in and say, are you really the son of God? Are you really a daughter of God? If you're crying and lamenting over what's happened around you in your life. I thought you knew that your life wasn't found in the world, that it was found in God.
0: Amen. (laughs) You see? I I, I love that grace because we so need it. The the grace of Christ abounds, but we can like, really get in the... In the way of that, just right. our own headspace.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because once you th- once you've seen the truth, you think the serpent stops trying to get you to condemn yourself?
0: Heavens,
1: no. Heck no. You think he gave up on Jesus? <laughs> Double no. <up. laughs>
0: no. He'll he'll he'll
1: keep trying to use whatever he can right. to twist you up. He'll, right. And he'll keep pointing to your ability.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. He'll
1: keep pointing to your ability to get the truth to work. Right. In every situation, mm-hmm. in every time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Jesus didn't despise himself. When he felt the carnal mind. And Jesus recognized yeah. that's the carnal mind. That's actually not my mind. That's actually not coming from within. It's coming from without. Right. Mm. And it makes sense why I'm hearing it. It makes sense why I'm feeling this way. Because death sucks. Right. And death is not consistent with God. Right. Mm. And so, of course I might be sorrowful sometimes. Mm-hmm. Of course I might feel confused sometimes. Of course, I might feel like, Lord, where are you? Right? Yeah. Of course, I can feel that thought come to me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And you need God.
1: And you just need God. (laughs) That's right. Amen. 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 Glory to God. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. That was good. Thank you.